Hey, this is Dan Harmon from The Real Community. You're listening to Shut Up Leonard. Was that was that crass? Shut up, Leonard. I'm Matt. I'm Andrew. And we like community. We really like community. But today we're not talking about community. No. We're talking about another Dan Harmon project. Well, partial Dan Harmon project? Yeah, partial, partial Harmon. By his, by his own account. We hot partial Harmon in this movie. Yeah, it's... Uh, we're going to be talking today about the film known as Monster House. Monster Maisel for the French. Monsters not translated? I don't know what monster in French is. Oh, I feel like I should know because there was a... Maison du Monster. There was an animated film that came out recently that from France and it was something monster. Mm. And it, it got big. Maison du Monster. <laughs> That's probably what it is. Monster. <laughs> uh, but first, let's thank Alex Machina of Slackery.com. What did he do? For the wonderful use of the theme song. Oh, yeah. It's a great theme The song. Shut Up Leonard Megamix. Which she generously allowed us to use yes on this podcast uh which probably is done playing by now yeah as theme songs go yeah 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 go check go check them out uh should we dive right in the movie or should we i got three categories Ooh. movie Mm -hmm. overall notes Mm -hmm. and special features notes let me do uh overall for 100 alex okay (laughs) now um listen i feel like first we should let people know what this movie is for those who don't know from Uh, 2006 six Okay. 2006, it's an animated film, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, which is, mm-hmm, you know, I guess you'd call it a children's film. Yeah. Uh, and it concerns a haunted house, let's call it. Yeah. Uh, which uh, a child has been watching uh, the old man who lives in there because the old man keeps stealing children's toys. Tricycles, specifically. He's, yeah. He's keeping track of. He's one of those classic get-off-my-lawn types. Yeah. Uh, and this this boy's been watching him, and because of this interaction, he eventually figures out that the house is haunted, and then the house comes alive and tries to eat people. Correct. That's that's a real basic overview. Yeah. Written the... originally by Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub. Yes. And then taken over by some others. Yes. Well, I think even by Dan Harmon's account, he didn't even finish, finish it. writing it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but they started to make it anyway. Yeah. And then made what they wanted. Yep. Uh. Okay, so what were your categories overall? Overall, special features, and the, just the movie. Just we'll that. do special features at the end. Uh, all right. Okay, we'll do special features throughout. <laughs> we'll do special features first. Well, I just you know I think there's some there's there I mean they, they there's some cross pollination between special features and overall notes is all. Okay, uh, do you want to talk about the director or or third writer at all? Gil Keenan. Yeah. Well, what the third that? writer is a lady named Pam Petler. Oh yeah. Rob uh, Rob Schaub and Dan Harmon are co, you know, credited. credited, however you call that, when they have the ampersand instead of an yeah. and, yeah. meaning that they wrote it together. Mm-hmm. And then Pam Petler uh, is a writer who's credited kind of separately, yes. uh, meaning that she came in and did the changes. <laughs> so that... we, we know who to blame. <laughs> yeah, we know exactly who to blame. Yeah. 
And she's also credited as the writer of the animated film Nine mm. that came out. Uh, it was a big year for Nine. 2009, later. I think. Yeah. 2009. <laughs> it was uh, the, the Daniel Day-Lewis movie Nine came out. That starred Elijah Wood, who was known and known for participating in a fellowship of Nine. There was a whole big thing on the internet about that movie. Was it a rabbit hole? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Pam Petler also, there's a Tim Burton connection because Tim Burton, I believe, produced Nine. Yep. And he directed Corpse Bride, which she is one of three writers on. Mm. So She likes the dark kids movies, yes, what this dark would seem kids to movies. suggest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, one of her early credits is something I thought would interest you. She's credited as writing, it's like, a, I think they called it a TV movie for ABC or, or Disney or something, called The Adventures of a Two-Minute Werewolf. Huh. That does interest me. <laughs> I knew that would interest you. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> go look that I'll up if that you want to find, find out. Up. It, I assume it's a dark children's adventure. Probably. Uh, but this director. Gil Keenan. Gil Keenan. Uh, he also did uh, later on City of Ember. Yeah. And uh, he's going to be the director of the Poltergeist remake coming yeah. out, I believe, this year. Well, that kind of leads me into the special features here. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about okay. So uh, this movie, I, I guess you, you made me watch special features before we started this because I had not watched them. Yes. And I gotta say, I came I came away from the special features liking this movie a lot less than I went really? in because of the just horrible garbage people that I saw made the movie. I had a real instant negative reaction to a lot of them, particularly Gil Keenan and uh, Starkey was was the guy in, in charge yeah. of some visuals. He's the one wearing the shirt that has the contact logo on it. Yeah, I believe. yeah, <laughs> which I really also, enjoyed. That was the shirt he wore. So I made this note too. I want to talk about your reaction. To seeing the mocap in, in 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 action, yeah, you responded as if you had never in your life seen an Andy Circus interview. You were so amazed. This is how they made the movie. No, no, no. Can you believe it? Looks so weird. Like you you were delighted <coughs> and astonished at just seeing mocap in action, well, which I've, I thought was curious. What I've seen in action, you're saying Andy Circus. That's one man in a mocap suit. Yeah, this is an entire film of motion capture. Okay, you never saw Seth no, Green no. when he was talking about Mars Needs Moms because that was the same thing. Well, that seems insane to me. It just seems insane to me. Yeah. Like, I'm not delighted. I'm... I'm there was a trace I'm of delight in Well, there's a delightment in, in the insanity. Yeah. I think whoever, which is, I believe, Robert Zemeckis sat down and said, I want to make an entire film where I get these talented people, like yeah. ac- good actors, Steve Buscemi, Fred Willard, yeah. uh, Jason Lee. Catherine O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara. Very talented Maggie people, Gyllenhaal. but we don't want to see what they look like. I want to put them in funny suits and, uh, you know, put them in a computer, yeah. and that's going to be the film. Wait, and then Starkey, the, who was head of the mocap, uh-huh. he was talking about, he was getting real pretentious, talking about how this is really more like theater because there's no, the cameras do not start, I'm, I'm, he didn't do this voice, no. that, that's, that's my addition, yeah. but how it's more like theater because the cameras don't stop and start, and it, he just seemed to be like a guy who's way, way into his form of technology to the point of insisting that it's superior than other technology, which is obviously superior. Mm -hmm. And I just, it must have been hell on this set. Yeah. That's why, especially... Unless you're 1,000% into motion capture, Mm. you're you're, you're having a hard time dealing with that guy, I feel like. Well, that's why I wanted you to see specifically Steve Buscemi's interview segments where he There was a sadness in his eyes. Yeah, he was so (laughs) unenthused. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised they put it on the DVD because it just feels like this was... He was forced to sit there and say these words. Yeah. He was like, it was weird. It was interesting. I (laughs) had a suit on. Yeah. No one was wearing costumes. Yeah. And there was no sets. Yeah. 
<laughs> just uh, every part of this just seemed like a fucking drag. <laughs> I was so just feeling the misery that went into making this movie really made me like the movie a lot less. <laughs> uh, and there's and then there's also stuff like um, the, so they talked about how the, the Gil Keenan, who also seems like a garbage person, <laughs> and talked about how great the conceptual art was and it did look kind of cool, and then and and just how he kind of made it look shitty uh-huh. in the final product. Uh, he talked about how he had a wish list of all the actors he wanted. Mm. And there were two things I noticed. What They showed like a shot of, like I don't know if it was like a table read or what they were doing, but mm. Jake Gyllenhaal seemed to be there. And I did not. I don't believe he was in the movie. His sister was. You think they don't hang out sometimes? <laughs> but he was like participating somehow in, in the movie-making process. Just you think in maybe the he, he, he drove his sister down. <laughs> Whoever needed to read a line wasn't there. They said, hey, would you read a line? <laughs> he said, sure. Was he reading? So he wasn't reading for her, though. It's not like like Maggie Gyllenhaal was <laughs> sick one day. So they're like, well, you know what? Bring in the next Gyllenhaal. <laughs> <laughs> I like that better. <laughs> I didn't notice Jake Gyllenhaal there. I did. I'm, okay. I'm always on the lookout for Jake Chung. <laughs> Good. Um, there was also a point. I mean, it, to be fair, it might have been just, just been a guy who looked like Jake Chung. Okay. Because he was kind of in the background. Okay. Uh, there was a point where they were talking about how, oh, we got all these amazing people. We were so astonished. We didn't think we'd get them. Like Kevin James. <laughs> yeah, that's they not. They said that at one point in <laughs> the special feature about how lucky and fortunate <laughs> they were to get the great Kevin James in their movie. Well, that's they the had to tear him away from. Uh... Was he working with Sandler at that time? Uh, this was 06, so I think I think he was. I think Chuck and Larry was 07. Okay, which was kind of the beginning of the big Kevin James Adam Sandler on screen friendship. Because I think Adam Sandler produced like Zookeeper mm-hmm. and that nonsense. That makes sense. But uh, I, I think they started appearing on screen together with I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, mm-hmm. which I believe was 2007. Okay, I'll believe it. This has been the <laughs> Adam Sandler corner with Matt Fenson. <laughs> So yeah, that's the special features. And that kind of leads into one of my overall notes, which is the look of this movie. Mm-hmm. And you actually talked about something that they explained in the special features, which I did think was kind of cool, how they can kind of mimic the movements of the camera, mm-hmm. even though they obviously were not filming it. Yeah. Which I think did allow for a lot of cool moments in the movie. And, yeah. And a lot of that looked cool. But then the animation style itself was just garbage. Well, it was... This was just a shitty looking movie. I'm sorry. I feel like it was trying to mimic stop motion yeah, in a it, weird way. But it didn't look cool like stop. It didn't look cool does. like stop. And then, well, it even made sense when I watched the special features that they started with models. Yeah, like it wasn't even like a three D model on a computer. They literally crafted out of putty or whatever. Yeah. a model of what they wanted the characters to look like, and then scan that in. Yeah. So they and were then, definitely and, trying to get that stop motion. Look. And and the the characters, despite all the dots in their faces, had exactly as much movement as those models do. Yeah. It looked it looked unfinished. Like honestly, like, watching this movie, it didn't look like a finished movie. It looked like they needed to do another. And maybe it's just you know the technology of two thousand six. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you go back and rewatch even uh, Monsters Inc., which which you know was hailed at the time, uh, and that was oh four. Yeah, that's that by today's standards looks, and you know looks maybe, like a crap movie. And, and maybe this is a sign that it was not two thousand six's fault because Monsters Inc. as crap as it looks and by today's standard, I think it looks better than this movie. That's true. I think I Toy mean, Story I, yeah. One looks better than this movie. I'll give it. I'll I'll give you all those things. <laughs> I mean, Pixar. This is not. This is Robert Zemeckis. This is what. Yeah, he this does. is Robert. Zemeckis. This is this is the man who gave us the Christmas Carol, where Jim Carrey. Yeah. Was also motion captured. Well, on the on the on the Wikipedia page, it mentioned how he was using the I, I don't know the terminology for it. I'll use video game terms. He was using the Polar Express engine to make this sure. movie. Basically, yeah. he was using the technology he developed. As we as we uh, mentioned before, this is what Robert Zemeckis wrought. He, yeah, he was film. he was just a producer, but yeah. of course he was the influence on the uh, 
the way it was made, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and as as Wikipedia also pointed out, this is uh, Robert Zemeckis's and Steven Spielberg's first collabo since Back to the Future. Oof. What a letdown. Does that hurt you? <laughs> it does, does that actually little. hurt you? It, do, it hurts a little. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. They were both producers, of course. Have they not but, done anything uh, since then together? Did they... When was... What was... Polar Express was before this. Yeah. So they figured out the Dead Eyes. They figured that <laughs> yeah, out. Got, like, we got Dead Eyes locked. <laughs> we can bring them back for Monster House. No, I mean, they figured out... I feel like the eyes weren't as dead as in Polar Express. Uh, not as dead, but still pretty dead, I would say. They, how how recently have you seen Polar Express? I've never seen Polar Express. Okay, well, I saw the trailer and I said no, thank you. If you actually watch it, those eyes are why would I way more dead? Than why would I ever think. do that? <laughs> can I can I give you the one thing that I like about Polar Express? Here we go. <laughs> the song that they sing called Hot Chocolate. Oh boy, <laughs> that's the one thing I'll take away that I like. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's Let's... who I am. <laughs> Let's talk about Dan Harmon's email. Also, no, I one more thing about Polar Express. Okay. I think Tom Hanks as the hobo in that film is. is I thought he plays the conductor of the of the Polar he Express. He plays multiple roles. Oh, for God's he plays, sake! He plays he plays the conductor. So this is this he plays is, a hobo is... hiding on the train, <laughs> and he plays Santa. So this is the pre-Cloud Atlas situation. Yes. But I think that hobo is scarier than it should be. I feel like Pam Petler came in there and scared up that hobo a little. <laughs> Let's talk about. We don't need to talk about Polar Express any further. Let's talk about Dan Harmon. The Dan Harmon letter. Oh, one more thing about the look of Monster House, though. Okay. Uh, it was. It was. There's a 3D. You could see it in 3D in the theaters. Yes. And there were a lot of points where it was clear. Oh, this was supposed to be in 3D. To me, I, I guess. I, maybe I wasn't. I just wasn't paying attention to that aspect. I saw of some it. parts where it's like it was. It was very. It was very like you know. Oh sure, the tongue. Check out the, this the 3D carpet guys. tongue coming carpet out of the house. Tongue. The 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 main title, the way Monster House kind of comes forward at oh, you. That's a true. Little. That's true. Okay. A lot of some some nonsense there. So Dan Harmon, uh, so Kelly Oxford, who is a Twitter celebrity, mm-hmm. she's also written a couple books. She uh, was talking on the internet about how her her daughter, seven year old daughter, was very frightened by the film and and how it's not should not be considered a kids movie. Uh, and Dan Harmon uh, kind of got some attention when he wrote an email to her that was uh, very thoughtful uh, and also kind of uh, revelatory of his problems with the movie and what and the changes they made after he left the project. Mm-hmm. Um, just just some, I mean, uh, highlights of the letter. Uh, we already mentioned that he he says in the letter that he hadn't finished the script. Yeah, uh, they took it. They kind of took it away. Yeah, uh, to make it their way. Uh, I I feel like we should read uh, the the part about what happens inside the house. I feel like that's an important segment. Just. Yeah, probably that part there. Yeah. Do you want to read it? Uh, okay, so she was say- he was setting up saying, um, you know, w- when you have a movie, it's, it's scary movies are good because then you can go and see, explain w- why something is and explain how it's not scary and then come away a stronger, better character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that leads into this next paragraph where he says, and that didn't happen in Monster House. The kids go inside the house and everything's scary in there, but nothing starts making more sense. I don't know about you, but when I go inside a giant scary monster, I expect to be rewarded for my bravery. There should always be something inside a monster that helps you understand it and makes you less scared of it and unable to make the monster go away. And able to make the monster go away, excuse me. Not a bunch of stuff that makes you more confused and scared. Which, uh, yeah, that's a that's a really good point about this movie, which mm-hmm. uh, you, you never get that in the movie or the house. No. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yep, and it's still yeah, it's still scary. a monster. You better blow it up. Better blow it up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard, but do it. Yeah. 
was there something else? Oh, <laughs> of course, uh, I I I kind of love he calls Gilkin in a hack and yeah. Steven Spielberg a moron. Yeah, <laughs> so that's that's kind of bold. Yeah, uh, but you you as as evidenced in Ben View on Spielberg, you don't hold Spielberg up to a shining light yeah. like most other people do. I don't. I'm sort of like to say, is he a moron? That's my question. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> You're asking the question. Yeah, and may, and maybe <laughs> maybe this ending was like, can we make it more like Jaws? Can we blow up the house at the end? <laughs> Can can DJ say smile you son of a and the explosion? I mean it's it's a kids movie, but it'll cut to the explosion, so he won't say the word. Do you think Spielberg wanted to end Lincoln with Lincoln blowing up slavery somehow? No, I, I, I no, I think it it, it would have been a shot. It would have been the reversal. It would have been a shot of John Wilkes Booth. Oh, smile you son of a, and then he shoots Lincoln in the head. Oh my god. <laughs> You don't know how bad I want this. Now. <laughs> There's a someone needs to make the the video online now of of Spielberg's original endings for all of his films yeah. <laughs> involving that line and that explosion. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Do you have so, anything else from this letter? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, it's a very nice letter. I, I recommend anyone check it out. If you just Google like Monster House Dan Harmon letter or email, it'll probably it'll come up. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah it's 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 good stuff it's a nice email to comfort a, a, a young girl who was upset it's very uplifting and it makes some good points about the film mm-hmm. and as we i believe we've talked about it before on shut up leonard about how uh dan Harmon is very into the story circle and uh the what's his name why can i never remember his joseph name campbell. joseph campbell and his hero's journey yeah uh so definitely like monster's house just completely fails all yeah. of those aspects <laughs> And uh, that's why. Yeah. We got dog action over here. We do. Uh, so now, we're, shall we dive into the film? Yeah. Most of my notes about the film are quotes that I'm intrigued by. Yeah. Like lines that I thought were funny, interesting, or perhaps left over from the Harmon script. Okay. Uh, the the. I think yeah, you do you do see some traces of Harmon in there. Faint. Yeah. Traces, the faintest. They're they're buried in there, but they're there. <laughs> they're there. Um, and I mean, if these aren't his, uh, you know, he's willing to call us up and say that's not me. Yep. So. Um, Dan Harmon answers on a postcard. If you want to clarify what was. Is that how list. you want to go through it now? Because that's all that I have left. Sure. And and just some weird other notes. Okay. Uh, like Jason Jason Lee's character. I'll do this note first. I feel like. Uh, it, it was weirdly prescient of T.J. Miller, Jason Jason <laughs> yeah. Lee's character. I had to look it up because I'm like, that kind of sounds like T.J. Miller, mm-hmm. but who is it? And then I saw that it was Jason Lee, of course. Like, maybe Jason Lee and T.J. Miller were friends, and he decided to steal his mannerisms and voice <laughs> for this role. It is it's very Millery. Yeah. Um, what did I... Oh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, I, I want to talk about... There, there's a scene in the beginning where they play basketball. Sure. And I don't know how they did, if this was just straight up mocap or what happened there. But the bounce of the basketball looks super weird. It's very wrong. It does not, it's not how Their technology was not there. They did not get a real basketball and put dots on it and trace it. Because it's not. They had the kid like move his hand. Yeah. (laughs) It looks like if if, if, like a marionette performer was trying to replicate basketball. It it just does not move naturally. That ball, I didn't like it. I didn't care for it. I'll agree with you there. Uh, And then. So then we meet uh, what's his name? Heidecker. What's his name? No, Nana Maker. Nana Booter. Well, Skull. No, Steve Buscemi's character. Oh, Heidecker. I thought you were trying to come up with 
What, what are you talking about? Nebercracker. Nebercracker. That's oh, the like, old man's like mine name. were not close. What did you think I was trying to say? I thought you were trying to say John Heater. <laughs> I thought you were skipping that far ahead. I was no. like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> How would I? Why would those? Why would Heidecker and and, and <laughs> Heidecker sounds a little Nanomaker. Like <laughs> Nanomaker didn't make any sense, but Napoleon Dynamite. I thought you were having a stroke over there. <laughs> What's the old man's name again? Nebercracker. Nebercracker. So we meet Nebercracker. Mm-hmm. He's a dickhead. Yep. Uh, well, we meet him in the first scene, actually, when he rips apart a truck with his bare hands, which <laughs> seemed to take some superhuman strength. He's getting ghost powers from yeah, the house. Yeah, I mean, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, he, he's yelling at uh, DJ, and then he collapses on him, presumably dead, yeah. which is... Uh, I also thought this was weird when it happened in Paranorman. It's a weird thing how kids movies these days are just okay with, like, a corpse on top of a child. Yeah, well, I mean, as you find out later, he's, he's not, not a corpse, dead. corpse, but in the moment, you believe it's a corpse. Yeah. No, I was not okay with that. Yeah. I was very disturbed. And I I'm, I like Paranormal. I think that's a good movie. But yeah. it was also a weird moment where it's like, oh, John Goodman's character's corpse is just on this child right now. Yep. Like, imagine you as a kid if a corpse fell on you. Yeah, I'd... It'd be scarring. Yeah. I would never forget that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's not yeah. a corpse, it turns out. He runs back into his room where we first see a, a, a highlight of the film for me, which is a poster that says, I'm T-Rexcellent. With a picture of a T-Rex wearing sunglasses. Okay. That's a solid poster. Well, there's also a poster he has with a duck and like a leather jacket that I was intrigued by. That one was by. pretty cool, too. Yeah, I was just intrigued by it. You know it. what? He has some cool posters, this kid. Great work cards, too. T-Rex one's good. The duck. There was a third one that was another pun, but I That's can't what remember. They're, they're, they're sharing that with Paranorman. I remember Paranorman, his his, his little room had cool posters. Sure. And also, in, in a way, sharing it with Community. Racism does not compute. Okay, let's <laughs> no, go. No, it does not. Okay, so then the ball... Uh, so, okay, so... God, you're still stuck on this ball. The ball... No, I, I didn't mean to say the ball. <laughs> the whole movie you're going to talk about is just the ball. <laughs> Let me talk about the scene where the ball has a face on it. Uh, no. Uh, the, so DJ believes the house is possessed, which we know it is, but Chowder does not believe him. Yeah. And what I kind of like here is that Chowder is a pussy earlier. He doesn't want to go get the ball when the ball rolls on the lawn. But mm. now that Dana Baker or whatever his name is, Dana Cracker? Never Cracker. Never Cracker. <laughs> now that Never Cracker's dead, he's like, he's like, stop being a wuss, man. The house is not possessed. So Chowder clearly has a strong skepticism about the supernatural. Mm. Even though he is a, a terrible coward when it comes to real life threats, mm. he is emboldened by his, his firm belief in the natural order of things. <laughs> I like that character note about Chowder. Um, then we meet Jenny, the little preppy preppy girl. Well, I feel like before then, I have a thing before then about okay, the um, the the parents. Yeah, when they're right. leaving, yeah. so they're for some reason they're leaving for the weekend on Halloween weekend. Yeah, they're going to some kind of dentist convention. They come back with a giant toothbrush. That's all I know about their trip. God, I feel like I don't even remember that. Because I, I have a note about the giant toothbrush. <laughs> so we'll talk you about would. that. You, you only have notes about inanimate objects. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, the inanimate objects were the best looking things in this movie. Okay. So the, the parents, when they're leaving, uh, which for, so parents are leaving over Halloween weekend, yeah. I pr- would presume it is. Yes. Like that seems like a bad time to plan a conference. Yeah. That isn't Halloween related. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, maybe, I mean, if it's a dentistry conference, I mean, I guess Halloween is their big like that's the worst holiday for a dentist. But then wouldn't they want to be like ready there for the next day after Halloween to get all those cavities? I mean, I guess. I like instead know. of being on a convention. I feel like maybe that's like a joke that the director came up with and thought it was really clever, <laughs> but it's just super dumb. And to be clear, I don't know for certain if they did go to a dentistry convention. <laughs> all I know is that they came back with a giant toothbrush. 
Okay. Uh, but when the parents leave, uh, here's here's what I think. You keep a, talking. I'm going to see if Wikipedia has any info. This is, I'm going to call this a trace of Harmon, I believe. Okay. This, this line where uh, the mother yells to DJ, if anything happens, call the police and stay in the closet. Yeah. And then the dad says to her, he knows that. Yeah. I feel like that's <laughs> that's harm that's a harm in life. I can see that, yeah. Yeah. Wikipedia you, has no info on where they went for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Just says they left. It says they left. Leave the town for the weekend. Okay. Go ahead, say words. I feel also before Jenny comes in, uh Bones gets his complete arc. Yeah. Uh, well, not because he comes back at the end. So. He comes back at the end, but that's for PG rating only. Yeah. <laughs> if Dan Harmon had his way, they'd all be dead. <laughs> um, Bones uh, is uh, Jason Lee. I don't know if we said that. He's some kind of rock star yeah. or wannabe punk rocker. Well, he, because the, the band that she likes is called Skull and Bones. Are we to believe that he is the Bones of Skull and Bones? I believe so. Because she's but, wearing a Skull and Bones shirt and she listens to Skull and Bones on, on she has a tape. But at the same time, there's a character who goes by the nickname of Skull. I believe he's not the Skull of Skull That's, and Bones. What the hell is wrong with this movie? <laughs> Where I, I totally forgot we, about that. <laughs> we don't know if they went to a dentist convention. The Skull is not the Skull of Skull and Bones, but the Bones is. <laughs> but if the Skull is not the Skull of Skull and Bones, then it's the Bones of the Bones of Skull and Bones. I don't know. But at the end of the film, she's going for Skull and not Bones. What? Remember? <laughs> She goes for Skull at the end of the movie? Yeah. I don't remember that He's at delivering all. a pizza, and she's, like, chatting him up. And Bones, he crawls out of the house, and he's like, hey, what's going on? And she's like, "Get move on, loser. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> I thought it was a nutso I, scene. It, it sounds like no a nutso sense. scene. I think, I, I think it was just too much for my brain. I think I just sort of fizzed out at that point. Well, it's like me and that giant toothbrush. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, they... Uh, he's obviously there to make a move on her. Yeah. Because she's... Oh, did, did we talk about what's what's Maggie Gyllenhaal's character's name? Elizabeth, but she wants to be called Z. Z. So Z, uh, she's the babysitter for DJ for the weekend mm-hmm. that the parents are gone. And she, you know, wants to have a man, boy, whatever, over. We're unsure <laughs> of his age. Well, it's her boyfriend. Presumably? Yeah. I don't know if it's a boyfriend situation. I think it's a boyfriend situation, for well, sure. Okay. Uh, well, whatever he is, he's there. Yeah. And uh, DJ sneaks out uh, kind of while they're, he's making a move on her. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is another trace of Harmon where she, she tells uh, Z, says to Bones, you have no respect for women. Yeah. And kind of makes a big deal about how he's a chauvinist pig and needs to leave. Yeah, which it's, I think that line is a trace of Harmon, but in the scene it, it's really weird because she's super into him right up until then. There's, yeah. like, there's no reason for the turn. No. It's 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 kind of a nonsensical scene, but I, I, that line does have some but it's, har- it's, harmonia. It's it's a weird it. echo of Britta. I feel like yeah. <laughs> I only say echo because it's like that's the one thing linking them. Yeah, yeah, I get you, I get you, I feel you. Now are we on to Jenny? Yeah, go ahead. She comes in. She's trying to sell candy. She shakes a Z down for some some candy. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's talk about this scene. Sure. I mean, it's it's probably the least natural scene I've seen in my life. True. Uh, we get, uh, so none of it makes sense. Z has been left $40 in emergency cash by DJ's parents. Yep. They arrange a deal where she will buy $20 of candy. Yep. Be written a receipt for 30. Yep. And pocket 10. Yeah. Now, first of all, what kind of school, why is she writing receipts? When has a school child ever selling candy ever written a receipt? For candy they have sold. She's a little businesswoman. That's true, but it's it's weird. And when... Okay, so... 
the idea here is she's going to show the receipt to the parents. Yeah. And the parents will be, okay, cool. Why, why, <laughs> I'm trying to understand this. Yeah. Why are the parents like, okay, you spent $30 on candy, cool. Why, why would they be more cool with that than her just saying, oh, I bought pizza for the kid one night? Like, why can't she just pocket the 40 and say yeah. she bought food? No, and I think especially the most raw deal of it all is that she should just pocket the 40 yeah. and say whatever she needs to say that she bought food or, or had to do a thing. Like, she doesn't even need to buy the candy. She can pocket more money by not buying the candy. Exactly. And why is candy the excuse that is, like, good for the parents if you need an excuse? Especially since the parents don't care at all about Halloween. They're willing to leave exactly. Halloween weekend and leave their kid alone. It's... This whole the kid who doesn't even want to trick or treat anymore. It's a weird scene. It's like if aliens watched Earth and thought they could make up a scene about what it's like for Halloween to happen. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, "This is how it works." A schoolgirl sells you the candy. Yeah. Right. And yeah. you also want to buy it yeah. with a receipt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you always get a receipt with your Girl Scout cookies. I do like her pitch where she 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 says, "Hey, if you don't have candy, they're gonna." shit they're gonna fuck up your house yeah i do think that's a clever pitch for a school girl to have if you happen to be selling candy on halloween yeah but the scene it leads to is totally nonsensical mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh and then she moves across the street to sell candy to the empty house yeah uh which of course uh, our boys chowder and dj leap into action mm -hmm. uh the, the the house pops up the side the the walkway leading in yep tries to tries to eat her up they they save her yeah, somehow the the house. It's not just the house. It's it's pretty it's much the, the lot. grass. It's the lot. Yeah, the lot. Yeah. It's <laughs> the grass, the trees, everything within the lot yeah, of the house. As soon as you cross the the, the, the sidewalk, sidewalk barrier, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they save her. <laughs> we got to set down these rules just so we can watch how they get broken. Yeah. Uh, so they they do that. Then uh, they're in the room spying on the house. Mm -hmm. Both both of them want to date Jenny. Yeah, Chowder and DJ. Yeah, um, they're 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 teeny, pre-teeny, teeny. Yeah, yeah. As Fred Willard accused him earlier, he's going through puberty. Mm -hmm. That becomes uh, a running gag that doesn't get better. It's, it doesn't get better, and it's like really dropped halfway through the movie too. <laughs> it like it comes like up it right at the end where Jenny's like, "Bye, good oh, luck yeah, with that your puberty." And it's like, okay, okay, that's what? It's a weird thing to say in <laughs> front of your mom. <laughs> and also like a weird, just a weird thing in general to yeah. say. Um, so then she says, we got to call the cops. We got to call the cops to arrest this house. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> sure. And the cops show up and it's Kevin James and Nick Cannon. Of course. <laughs> sure. That's, me, that's the natural pairing. Let me ask you this, <laughs> Mr. Lindy. <laughs> yes. What is your relationship with Nick Cannon? <laughs> Here's, I'll tell you the best thing that he was in for me. Okay. Uh, he was in the TV show, at least the first season. Up All Night, hmm. which I was a champion for. I did not recall that. At least the first season. Jason Lee was also in the first season. Uh, he might have come back for the second season. But the, the crazy thing was, the second season of Up All Night was absolutely terrible. And I believe Nick Cannon... Is that where they went to multicam? Got ejected. No, they never made it to multicam. Oh, that was just they talked about that but never got there. Yeah. The second season... Season two was going to... The second half of season two was going to be multicam. What a weird history. Yeah. Uh, but that's when Applegate got out. And then the whole thing fell apart because it was kind of centered on her. But the but yeah, he was good in that because he was playing like um what what was I can't think of what they'd call it like it, like there was um it, it, what's her name uh Maya Rudolph Maya Rudolph was playing like an Oprah esque 
type character. And on our show, like Nick Cannon was like the announcer type guy. Hmm. Like if, if you ever watch Ellen, this is if Ellen still does this, she has a DJ. Yeah. Right. He was that kind of character okay. to her. And I thought that was that was all right. OK, so that is your relationship to Nick Cannon. Yes. I feel like Nick Cannon is like a big thing for people of a certain age. Sure. And I feel like I'm literally one year too old for that. Hmm. I feel because I feel like Nick Cannon. Drumline. Was, is that what you're trying to pinpoint? Drumline, people who are super into drumline. Wild and out. Oh sure, that was a thing. And just he was like, and you know, there's that, there's a great Chappelle show, Chappelle, bet, bet, oh Chappelle yes. show sketch where his kid is super into Nick Cannon. Yeah, and 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 he's upset, which because that that was like to to like kids, like he was he he was like the funny guy to kids, and not even for anything specifically, but in the same way that like you know in the early '90s, Rosie O'Donnell was a big person for kids. Yes, he kind of yes. occupied that same space as just like a kids entertainment personality. Yeah. And he I, was the Rosie O'Donnell. And I feel like he was like very big with 10-year-olds the year that I was 11. Like I feel like yeah. I just missed it. So you I, you missed it as well. Therefore. I was aware of Wild and Out but never cared to watch it. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Uh so so for maybe for those those for maybe for those kids Nick Cannon is is a big deal to be in this movie as well. Mm-hmm. But he's just some But guy. this is still like 10 years after it should have been, right? Like yeah. this came out in 06, like it was 10 minutes 10 years <laughs> off the mark. But I mean, I mean what is Nick Cannon's place if not to do movies like this in 2006? I feel like he can grow. All right. <laughs> was he in charge of Nickelodeon for a while? Am I remembering that correctly? What? I feel like he was like somehow like head of programming at Nickelodeon for a while. For like and, a and day, maybe, maybe currently. <laughs> I'm gonna look this up. Reach you better. Um, I guess I got a link here because he's. But did you? Were you mad about uh, them being the cops, or like, does that weird you out? I will tell you, and surprisingly, and it comes up later, so I don't know if we want to save it for then. Kevin James, to me, has the funniest line in the movie. Oh, which was surprising. It's very rare that you can say that. Okay. Um, I would say almost never. I think this might be the only case. (laughs) Uh, something about it got to me. Um. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, what's up? What's up? Uh, I'll give a note that comes a little bit after this. So, oh, I got to know that's right in this scene. Okay. So the cops don't believe him. They blow him off. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and then, well, yeah, because of course the house won't attack anyone while there's adults around or something. Yeah. It's a smart house. house. That's what the girl says. Yeah. (laughs) And then I immediately thought of the Disney movie. Channel original movie, Smart House. Starring Mm -hmm. Crystal Carlson Romano? I, I, I feel like she was in Smart House. I feel like if you said who played the house, I could tell you. Mm, I don't know that. I don't have that information. It's, it's the... it's the. Oh, it's, uh, it's what's-her-name from yeah. Malcolm in the Middle. No. The voice of the house was, was the, the mother from Married with Children. Is that true? Oh, you're right. I'm right enough. You're right enough. <laughs> Katie Segal, you're correct on that. Chris mm-hmm. Carlson Romano is not in it. I don't no. know what I'm thinking of. You're thinking of Katie Volding. Perhaps. I don't know who that is. <laughs> That was just the first name. Directed you know, by LeVar Burton. What the fuck? <laughs> the connections continue. That is shocking to me. Because this was one of my favorite Disney Channel original movies. I <laughs> love this one. I've never seen this oh, one. Oh, it's good. Uh, you know what it actually is? Because it kind of moves towards a similar plot to Monster House, actually. Because the smart house tries to kill him. Mm. It's, it's, I think it's a better version of Monster House, to be honest. <laughs> and LeVar Burton directed it. Did it I, come out before or after Monster House? I think, I think it's at 05. Oh, 2099. Oh, oh, God. Some, there was someone else that said 05, but uh, yeah, this was 99. Huh. This was, a, this was a good one. LeVar Burton directed it? I did not know that. <laughs> that was genuine shock. You heard my voice there. Okay. Okay. Um, But anyway, so a- after the cops blow him off, they, <coughs> excuse me, there's another, I think maybe a little Dan Harmon, Dan Harmon 
rem, re, 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 residue here. Okay. Uh, where the kids talk about how much they hate the government because of the oh yes, off. yeah, yes, which definitely feels a little harm and influenced. I didn't write that down, but I remember that. Yeah. Then we meet John Heater. Uh, do we? Well, that's my next note in here. I feel. Like, did, what comes? Wait, hold on. Yeah, because they don't know. They're like, "How are we going to kill this house? Government won't help us. We need someone who knows this kind of thing." We need are you John sure Heater. that they meet? Do they meet John Heater, or do they meet out in their secret construction place first? No, they meet that afterwards. Because I have okay. both those notes and John okay, Heater's good. first. Then give me John Heater. So John is John Heater playing Skull, but not the Skull from Skull and Bones. Not the Skull from Skull and Bones. He is a pizza delivery boy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he well pizza delivery man. <laughs> let's let's get that clear. <laughs> He looks like he's it's a little older. Yeah. He's got a mustache, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Um he's he's playing some video game, some made up video game. Yeah, which I remember reading the director came up with the song for the video game, I think, so he could get extra credits going on there. Some Gene Roddenberry. Shit. Yeah. Uh yeah, I don't know what to say about this scene. Who cares? Yeah, this I will scene tell you, John felt he- John, out of place. In the special features, John Heater was the only one I came away liking because he spoke with open disdain towards the process. Yeah, he's like, I'm look- <laughs> He said, "You know, you're filming this movie, looking at wires, looking at you're supposed to be looking at three kids, but you're looking at three freaks." <laughs> That's what he said, <laughs> describing the process. Yeah. So I liked John Heater in the special features. I think he's a talented actor. I don't think he gets enough credit. I think Blades of Glory is funnier than people are willing to admit. I still have to see it. It's a good movie. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, that scene just felt out of place to me because they yeah. get no knowledge from him. I no feel knowledge, like. but then they are somehow inspired. Well, he says, "Kill you got to kill the heart." Right. Which they don't really end up. They doing. don't end up doing. They never find the heart. They never find the heart. I mean, they know that they it's the fireplace or the furnace. Something about the fireplace, and they then they throw the dynamite in the chimney at the end of the movie, which I guess is connected. But I mean, you you don't necessarily need to know to get to the. You, you could have lost the scene, and then we would have made just as much sense. Is all I'm saying. Or are you really worried she's going to scratch your precious monster house no, DVD? No, no, It's not mine. My dog was standing on top of the DVD. Uh, so, yeah, they could have lost this scene entirely. But then, of course, we need this to connect to the weird moment that I didn't know was in it where uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal hooks up with uh, Skull at the end of the movie. Yeah, but that apparently. was super not necessary <laughs> as well. And that Skull just character isn't necessary unless he is the Skull from Skull and Bones, but I don't think he is. What a weird time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and like John Heater... That seemed weird to me. I mean, it was 2006. He's he's was he? I was, oh, he's right. Two years Napoleon off Napoleon was Dynamite. Oh, four. So, sure. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> do I? Am I the only one who doesn't like him? He's fresh out. You didn't like Napoleon Dynamite. I. You know, it's all right. It's not. It's all right. <laughs> I didn't know that would be a trigger. <laughs> uh, I like Napoleon Dynamite. I think he was it, also I in a, a, a Reese Withers- Witherspoon. Just like heaven. Yeah. Well, and more importantly to you than Reese is uh, Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. Um, Benchwarmers, I thought you'd be into that. <laughs> why would you think I'd be into that? No, I'm just... He was nominated for a Teen Choice Award for Benchwarmers, I'll tell you that much. Three no, of them. Why not? Choi- teen Choice Movie Actor Comedy, Choice Chemistry, and Choice Rumble. Well, I feel like he got... He definitely got the Choice Movie Actor Comedy as a... It was a, a rolling thing from Napoleon. Sure. Uh, but it the, other, it, the was, other ones sound made up. It was because he was due. No, it was like kids. Kids <laughs> didn't like, nominate like, him for Napoleon, <laughs> but they saw Napoleon and thought we got to get him for the next thing. Yeah, so you because know, he, because he was due, the kids got together. Yeah, it's like when Jeff Bridges won the Oscar for Crazy Heart. Mm-hmm. Same situation. <laughs> yeah, exact same situation. 
what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> we we got off on a... Then they go to their weird hideout where they devise a plan to make the house fall asleep with cold medicine. <laughs> First, let's talk about this weird hideout. It's yeah. literally a construction site. Yeah. That that seems unreal or dangerous or just dumb. You know, I feel like that was a thing back in the day. Hanging out at construction in sites? In movies. Oh, in movies. And TV shows. At the time? Yeah. No, not in 2006, but like in, in like 80s and 90s movies. That kids, was like an old thing kid, they brought back? Kids hanging out in weird places. Okay. I know there was an episode of The Simpsons where Bart discovered an abandoned building that he hung out with, got into some trouble. Okay. Oh, that was a thing. Well, I don't mind that they're hanging out at a construction site. Uh, I'm gonna. I I'm think gonna, it's weird that there's a. Uh, uh, what what are those machines called? Crane. Or digger? Shovel digger? Digger digger machine? Digger truck? Uh, what are they called? Steam, steam engines? engines? No, that's a train. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm trying to remember. Do you remember the book, the children's book, about the the that that machine was why, a character? Why, how can two adults, <laughs> neither of us remember what the hell that thing is called? <laughs> shovel crane. It's like a thing with a big shovel on it. It's like a truck with a big shovel on it. What the hell are those called? <laughs> What's going on with us? I don't know. Steam digger? No, it's not shovel a digger. Steam digger. Steam roller machine digger roller shoveler. What are you? Oh, you you missed a letter there. I said in tough. your googling. I'm trying to Google this thing to figure out what it is. <laughs> We're answers on a postcard. Anyway, you know, to le- give us a, a a note. Steam shovel. Earth mover. Steam shovel. I'm looking. At Earth mover is what this thing calls uh, it. That's the wrong. That's going up. It needs to dig down. Remember, what? it was a is down there digger. A difference. Yes, there's a difference. Oh my god. That thing right there. Which one? This that, guy. Yeah, that's the guy. Uh, Earth moving. Earth mover. Click it. No, uh, not I, meant, view I, meant, I meant to hit visit page. This is so great for the podcast. This is a, this is no this is <laughs> articulating truck. But that's not the one we're looking at. Uh, bulldo- keep, bulldozer keep is another type of thing. Uh, nope. We're gonna figure this out, guys. We're getting there. We're this scrolling. Is, I'm sure this is riveting information uh, to everyone. God, this is terrible. Uh, this, I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> there's so much going. This, wheel loader? Was wheel that? loader? No, that's the wrong. That's the wrong mass excavator. Excavator. You know, I've never heard that term. Look up steam shovel, and you'll get you'll get that children's book. That's the one you're talking about? Yeah. Steam steam, steam shovel? shovel. What did, where does this take us? Mike the steam shovel? I don't remember what. It was oh, a children's this, yeah, book. Yeah, steam shovel. So you got it. Yeah. You got but it. But it was a children's book. That's that's what I, I know it from. I don't care about that. It was a delightful children's book. <laughs> We're not children, though. <laughs> we watched a children's movie. They Their plan <clears throat> is to knock out the house with cold medicine. Oh, before we get to that, though, I do want to note, I feel like this is another, uh, I have another thing that I think was a leftover Harmon bit. Um, so when they go, when they sneak into this construction site, there's a big sign for it yeah. for what's coming there, like condos or luxury, something. Yeah, luxury. Yeah. But one of the, like the quote on the billboard says, we've drained the lake <laughs> as if it's like a pro. Yeah. Like we did it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's a Harmon That's line. pretty good. Um, <clears throat> So they're going to knock out the thing. They're going to construct a, a fake child. Yeah. Fill Using it. a vacuum cleaner and Chowder's going to steal cough medicine, cold medicine from his father's pharmacy. Yep. Was it known that that's a, like a thing that a drug dealer might do? This seems like a very adult crime is my point. Maybe that's another trace of Harmon. Maybe. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> that could be. So they fill it. They, they, they construct this dummy. They, yeah. They, they bring it up to the house. And then the cops show up and interrupt them somehow. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of blacked out for a moment in this scene, to be honest. Really? 
So the dummy goes <laughs> the dummy goes to the house and then the cops are there. There's a gap in my knowledge in between those two events. Uh well, I don't know why the cops come back. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to oh, me so why the cops not, come I back. I didn't black out the movie. just makes no sense. No, no, no. Well, yeah, it makes no sense. The cops come back. I I presume they come back because somebody saw these kids doing this weird thing in front of the house and called them. Yeah, maybe. But they would have responded really quickly because well, the kids yeah. were just right there and ready with the vacuum cleaner child, whatever. Yeah. Which, that was a line that I kind of laughed at I, when Chatter says, I love you, vacuum cleaner dummy. <laughs> All right. It just feels like... That's not bad. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's funny. I have the note here about the government line here. I can promise you it's not in the scene unless they do a little callback. Uh, cause, cause they one, might of do them, a little callback. one of them says so much for relying on the government. That's absolutely in the first scene. Okay. Well then, cause that's when I wrote it down for some reason, those two scenes are, it was sticking around. Maybe I missed, brain. maybe I missed thing. I don't know what, I don't know what happened because there's also, I don't know where this line is, but the girl, Jenny asked the two boys, are you guys mentally challenged? If you are, I'm certified to teach you baseball. Yeah. I feel like that's a Harmon line, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Because I like, I'm certified to teach you baseball. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a certificate you get. Anyway, so the vacuum cleaner, of course, it doesn't work. Because no. if it did, then the movie would be over or it would get to a better place. I don't I Because the cops have to come back and they yeah. say, what are you doing, you dumb kids? Yeah. Then the cops hear some noises. Well, yeah. Nick Cannon hears a noise. Yeah. Kevin James says it's his stomach. Nick Cannon is is uh, the loose cannon cop, in a sense. Yeah. Well, because Nick Cannon believed them earlier, too, at yeah. first. Yeah. And he tried to call for backup, but mm-hmm. as Kevin James pointed out, there's no backup. It's just Judy at the station. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then they they go... So Nick Cannon goes to investigate, and the, tr- and the house, instead of playing it cool this time, which it easily could have done like last time, yeah. for some reason decides to attack the police this time. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, it works out. It does. It gets the cops. Yeah. But, uh, so Nick Cannon is being swung around. It in does the get the. It gets them. Yeah. It eats like, them. It doesn't. It doesn't get them as in to believe. It eats it, them. Yeah. Yeah. So the tr- uh, tree is is swinging around uh, Nick Cannon, hmm. and then this here's where Kevin James has my line okay. that, that made me laugh and that I think is the funniest line in the movie, hmm. and I do think part of it is Kevin James's delivery. Credit where credit is due. Okay. Uh, he says I'm calling for backup. Nick Cannon says I thought we didn't have backup, and then super dramatic he says I'm getting Judy. <laughs> okay that's only that's, worth it because of the setup earlier yeah, yeah there was a there was a setup yeah, earlier we forgot it's... about it and then it comes back and yeah, yeah. i feel it so that, that that's I, funny that was good that's good and then of course as soon as he says i'm getting judy the tongue drags him into the house mm-hmm. i did like that little bit. <clears throat> oh there's another weird moment here where kevin james discovers that the dummy has cold medicine in it yeah and then like takes a huge swig of cold medicine yep. on the job like a fucking bad lieutenant <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was weird <laughs> Very weird, because I would I would feel like you'd get it from the smell. Yeah, there would be a very distinct cold medicine smell as soon well, as you opened one of them. Th- the implication was that he knew it was cold medicine and he was trying to get fucked up. I oh, think. okay. That, I didn't, that's I what didn't I take it that way. Uh, so then, in the, in the this is the part where let me just put it to you this way: this is the part where I stop having notes about quotes. Meaning, yeah. this is I felt the Harmon I felt the Harmon presence leave. Yeah, my notes straight at this up. moment. My, my notes really, I have like three notes for the rest of the movie, and we're we're like two thirds through. I have three more, and two of them I think we already covered. So <laughs> okay, so but in this kerfuffle, mm-hmm. they they're inside the house now. The children. Yeah. The children go inside the house. They get they get wrapped up in the house. Right, 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 right. And then they somehow find ways to not get fully eaten. Well, yeah, somehow they don't get eaten, and somehow the house doesn't know they're in it anymore. I don't know what the house's awareness is like. Like, how does it know they're on the lawn, but it doesn't know they're inside? Right. So they're... Okay, I know exactly what happened. So they get inside, and then um, 
that's when Chowder hits the uvula, which for some reason well, this house is now anatomically after. correct. Yeah. Well, and I wrote in down a, that because I, I remember I remember from when it came out that line was in the trailer uh-huh. where Jenny says that's the uvula, and then uh, Chowder says, "Oh, it's a girl house." Mm-hmm. That line was in the trailer. I remember. They I were did very not recall that. Confident of that, but that's a little that they don't do that. After, that's only after they've been in the house for a while because they think that's the heart. See, I think we're both going to have to fill in each other's gaps on this. There's a moment where they're in the house and like hour and, of the film, and Chowder starts screaming, and DJ's like, "No, the house doesn't know we're in here." Yeah. What? How does the house not know they're in there? Did they sneak in? No, they get in like they were trying to save Kevin James or something, and somehow they got in but avoided getting eaten. Oh, okay. I feel it's halfway believable that the house kind of doesn't know that they're there. Why? Because the house was going for Kevin James. They got attached to Kevin James. Yeah, but why does the, the house, house know? The, Kevin why James. does the house know when they're in the yard, but it doesn't know when they're inside? I don't know. Exactly. I can't. I exactly. can't explain it. <laughs> Here's what I'll say with the design of the sense. house, too. I don't think this was on purpose, but this was something I liked. Hmm. The inside of the house, it looks very much like a location in Fallout, in the Fallout video games. Oh, okay. Like, it's the same kind of decrepit. That just appealed to you. Yeah. It's the same kind of decrepit, and they and uh, Steve Buscemi has these explosion, these boxes of explosions hmm. that look just like ammunition crates in Fallout, except hmm. they're red instead of green. Which they explain that by having a picture on the wall at some point that DJ sees where Nevercracker was in the army. And, and like, he was the explosives in like, man. In, like, World War Two. Yeah. Like, a long time ago. Yeah. And he still has just tons of dynamite lying around. But And also that he was the explosion man. Yeah. Like, like in that classic yeah. uh, cliche of here's a team and each has a specialty. Yeah. In that picture, he was Mr. Explosion. Yeah. There was, like, Mr. Biff, Buff, Buff Strong Man behind him. And, yeah. You know the smart guy to the to his other side. Yeah, and, like, yeah. he was he was holding a dynamite stick. Yeah. That's it's how you knew that he was the explosions. I'm man. in charge of explosions. <laughs> so and it he, wasn't even like a pose picture. It was like they're hanging out at camp. Yeah, <laughs> he's just sitting there playing with the ex, the dynamite sticks. Yeah. So they do some bullshit in the house. <laughs> I don't even know how to talk about these scenes. <clears throat> well, let's just get to the 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 crux of what they figure out inside the house. Is they get to the basement, they find the cemented dead body. Yeah. How did that get there? That there's a flashback later in the film. But oh, do you do you want me to say? She falls in. She okay. So he they figure out or are told the story. I don't even remember of how Nebercracker falls in love with the fattest woman in the world. Yeah. Who's traveling around with P.T. Barnum yeah. in the 1920s? Kept and, in a cage for some reason. Yeah, you know that's the way they did it. <laughs> but like I'm saying, it was like the 1920s when that was happening, and yeah. he fought in World War II, and now it's like presumably present day. Ish. I don't know that it's, it was necessarily the 20s when the P.T. Barnum stuff was happening. <laughs> it just felt like really old to me. <laughs> well, uh, they're keeping a, a, a woman in a cage <laughs> against her will. Yeah. Com- apparently legally, because it's, it's only Net Nutter, Nutter Butter who, uh, <laughs> who objects and tries to free well, he he definitely frees her like illegally yeah. if she's if she's property of P.T. Barnum. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the implication here. I uh, would, but when they build the house later, it definitely there's definitely a post war vibe. I would say. Sure. So they're building the house, and um, they're building it from scratch. They buy like just they buy a lot, lot, yeah. And they're building it, and so they're he's doing everything by hand. There's no construction workers. It's just Nevercracker and his his wife yelling at him. Yeah. And uh, he's pouring the cement for the basement. Uh, some kids are still making fun of the fat lady because, yeah, presumably they remember doing so when she was in the circus sure and she wants to kill them with an axe yeah and somehow she gets hit or trips or falls and lands in the cement in the basement and dies there yeah 
and Nebra Cracker either doesn't call the police. Or just like, well, that's, well, that's her resting place. And I guess I have to live here. And finish building the house. <laughs> in her memory. Yeah. So, uh, then, I would think her ghost just immediately comes to life at that moment and tells him to finish the house. Like I the mean, Winchester house. Perhaps. We also see later when, when the house is thrown in a ditch, it sort of reconstructs itself. Yeah. So maybe upon mer- upon her ghost merging with the house, with she, the foundation of the she house. finished building the house. Perhaps. Oh, sure. She and, just sort of formed. And no other neighbors <laughs> thought yeah. it was weird. Well, there were no neighbors. It was a totally Oh, that's empty... true. It was before there was really a neighborhood. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, I think we're piecing together a better story than what actually <laughs> happened yeah. is what's what's going on right now. Because uh, it also, it doesn't, so it's an accidental death. Yeah. Uh, and she's just mad at all children in Halloween because she died on Halloween. Yeah. Uh, is that is that too esque of of uh, of other horror films like Friday the Thirteenth, Friday the Third, Friday the Thirteenth, Friday the Thirteenth, or actual Halloween? I don't know, man. It's <laughs> I'm so exhausted at this point. No, it's definitely this is very tiresome right here because this is the part where nothing makes sense. Nothing makes sense, and no one learns a lesson except and, not her brother. And also, it seems like nobody cares. Nobody like, cares about anything. No, because it doesn't make sense why the house is possessed and hates everyone, and Nevercracker like defends slash wants to kill it. Because like, there's also an implication well, not... when he when we find out he's alive again, he yeah. comes back with a stick of dynamite. Like yeah. he's ready to destroy the house right at that moment, well, and then that's when though? it comes to life. Because he has a stick of dynamite, but he also doesn't seem to be interested in destroying the house. It, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. The the I mean, Dan Harmon nails it in his emo where the house is just evil for no reason. Yeah. Uh, all right. So then the, the house comes off its foundation, mm-hmm. and it's, it's gone mobile. Yeah. Just like the Who did back in the 70s. It's going mobile. Sure. Uh, and it starts chasing the kids around the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and... Nutter Butter gets tired because he's old. Mm-hmm. And so he hands the dynamite to a child. Yeah. He, he hands says, a bundle. You gotta of the, finish he it. says, Take care of it. I believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and isn't the kid, DJ doesn't want to blow up the house, right? He's the one who tells Nebercracker the first time, like, there's gotta be another way. And then that's when the house gets up and says, Fuck you, I'm gonna eat you. I don't know, man. <laughs> Maybe. And then we have the sequence where all of a sudden the kid is John McClane in Die Hard 4. Sure. Where he is just going on these insane action adventures. Mm-hmm. Where throughout the earlier parts of the movie, he was basically portrayed as just a kid with normal kid abilities. Well, I mean, except kind of the scene where they get inside the house because they're all like swirling around, hanging on to broken pieces of floor. Yeah, but that's the house f- throwing them around. Okay. It just, that felt really unrealistic. That was that's like the true. first moment where I was like, well, it's crossed that line. <laughs> yeah. But then, so he climbs up on the crane, and then the the wrecking ball is swinging. He he accidentally falls on the wrecking ball, and then does this crazy move where he swings, dumps the dynamite in the chimney, which had been lit by Jenny, who's up on the crane. Yeah, and she tosses it. So she tosses it down to him. He catches it, <laughs> swings around, dumps it in, swings back, picks up Chowder, who had in in the scuffle in the... had been uh, taken by the monster house. Yeah. Then swings back, gets away, gets into a convenient uh, ditch. Like a like a like a like trench, a, like a trench, like yeah. a World War One style trench. Yes, Where Jenny's the, fine because she's up high enough. Yeah, and and Chowder and DJ are okay because they're in a trench. And the there's this weird moment where the explosion looks like it's gonna hit Jenny, and then she's okay just because oh, actually she was high. Enough. Yeah, she was this just weird high enough. False danger where mm-hmm. it's like she's gonna get hurt. Oh, actually no, she's fine. Uh, and uh, I mean, I think we can just compare this entire scene to the to the crucial scene of uh, Transporter Two that everyone complains about, 
where he knocks a bomb off the bottom of his car by flipping upside down underneath a crane. That's pretty cool, though. But it's also, it's just equally as insane for the moment. Yeah, but it, here, actually, I have not, Transporter 2 is the only Transporter I haven't seen. I've seen one and I've seen three. That's weird. I've only seen one and two. I haven't seen three. Huh. That's a Jason Statham action movie. You can't, you're going to expect that kind of weirdness. Okay. Uh, not so much in this movie. Okay. Is what I'll say. Well, and also, I'll, I'll give a little bit of that for to... Transporter um, 2 is better than Monster Olivier Megaton. The director. What are you saying? The director. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he he kind of does that because he picked it up from Luc Besson. What a great name. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, then wait, the we have to go back to dead. Monster House, unfortunately. The house has been blown up. Well, and it was there was a false death. It fell down the ditch yeah. and broke into shambles and then reformed itself, yeah. which, of course... Which that's... Shatter now knows how to work a steam shovel. That's how it gets down in the ditch. He leads it there. Well, it's not even... Here's the other thing. It's not even that he knows how. It's just like somehow he's getting lucky enough by hitting all the buttons and levers in different random ways that he's managing to direct it the way he wants it to go. I think he was doing that earlier, but I think at this point we're, we're meant to believe that he is he's, he figured it he's out? now a fully... Like, he, if he went out and took the test, he could be licensed as a steam shovel Because there was operator. definitely a moment or a time like Earlier. a period of time yeah. where he was literally randomly hitting buttons and knobs and it was yeah. going the way he wanted it to either go. way it's nonsense <laughs> yeah i think we can agree uh-huh um so then the house is dead it's been blown up uh for 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 halloween they're they're in the ditch where the house used to be yeah giving out toys previously confiscated toys to the children yeah um, they give the little girl her trike back, mm-hmm. which much like Steve Buscemi might have some sort of tricycle god powers in this movie, <laughs> because he destroys it with his bare hands earlier in the movie, and then he just sort of places it back together, and it's a fully functioning tricycle again. Yeah, he giveth and he can taketh away with the tricycle. Yeah, uh, and then Buscemi s- sends them away for no for no clear reason. He's like, yeah, I got some work to do. I don't know what that means. I don't know what his work is. I mean, is. he's got to figure out where he's living now. I guess, but he just stays in the ditch. Yeah. He's like, you got, you kids go. I'm just going to hang out for a minute in the ditch. Uh, the kids go back to their house. They decide to go trick-or-treating after all. Because mm-hmm. earlier, Charter wanted to go, but DJ was too old. Yeah. Who cares? Yep. Uh, and then it's the next morning. The parents return with... The next morning? Hold on. <laughs> this is where I blacked out. Yeah. This but is this where... must be the scene... This must be where... Because Bones comes out of the thing and no, because that's skull. that's the very last scene. Okay, then that's after. Then I don't. The next morning, it's daytime when the parents come back. Okay, that's what I remember. Time made no sense in this film for <laughs> no, me. It did by not. the way, because how did no one notice that house rampaging and then immediately after the rampage of the house, it is Halloween time? Fuck, you're right. I don't. Know. <laughs> the timeline is super messed up there. So, or I don't know if it's the next morning. Maybe I'm remembering this wrong. But somehow it's daytime and the kids co- and the parents come back. Time moved backwards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the parent, the mom specifically, Catherine O'Hara, has a giant toothbrush. Sure, like a toothbrush that's like taller than DJ, like a really big one. Okay, and it's got the old timey thing that old timey oh, toothbrush. The little pick on the, the end? little pick on the end. Oh, is that is that to be used as a toothpick? I believe so. Because I've never encountered one of those in real life, but I always see it in like. Or movies. just like you, you can use it to get the the stuff stuck in the 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 back molar type teeth. You know hmm. the the, yeah. the gunk get, gets up in there. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was an old timey tooth. That's yeah. what I. That's what I noted that it oh, has a little pick on it, and then that's the end of the movie. Uh, well, and then of course everyone who got eaten by the house has to be shown to have survived. Do they so, show the cops specifically to yes, have survived? Yes, they come out of the hole as well. I, I blacked out. You that. stopped after bones. I think I just blacked out because <laughs> I don't remember his skull reappearing either to hit on uh, Z. So yep. he comes back and he's like, "Hey Z, what's happening?" What? And she's talking to to no, it was it was bones comes out, hits on Z. Z's talking to skull. 
Is that confusing? So, I have an overall <laughs> question for you. Okay. So, I feel like there's a, a crux of the film, uh, a core concept, if you, if you, if you may, mm-hmm. is that, uh, or like, I feel like an early pitch idea, however you want to word it, was basically an old man trying to keep his kids off his lawn, but, but he's, he's doing it hero. to protect them. Yeah. Do you feel like that was a Harmon idea, or do you feel like that was a secondary idea? I feel like that might have been a Harmon idea. I feel like so too. Because like, the big thing with Harmon is is there's no villain. Everyone's the hero of their own story. There's exactly any villain is just you examine more closely and see that they they have a reason. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that that's probably a Harmon. But then it gets super twisted. Yeah. In in like an insane terrible way. Yeah. Uh, it goes off the rails. But at the same time, I don't hate this film. I don't hate it. Yeah. I'll tell you what I, how I feel about this film. Uh-huh. It's like the third. Best episode of season four of Community. That's interesting. That's what it is. Hmm. There's some trait. There's a scent of Harmon in the air. Yeah. But it's clearly not a Dan Harmon product. Mm -hmm. But it's maybe like an okay version, but there's still a lot of it that's really terrible. Yeah. This is like uh, Conventions of Space and Time. Sure. This is what that. But this it, is. I'm mad at that one because it, it is a villain is just a villain. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. That, yeah. That's also why we're mad at Monster House. Okay. I feel... Did you like the the German episode of season four or no? Not really. Okay. Because I would almost compare it more to that because at least the Germans had like a weird, they could have turned it into a diehard thing because it was his brother, right, that he defeated? Who cares? <laughs> anyway. Uh, so that's Monster House. Yep. Plugs? I guess. Uh, <laughs> I do a, another podcast. What's it called? Nerds Eye View. Where do you get it? on itunes where else or anywhere else that you get podcasts well, like if you want to see a website that has it oh i guess you can go to nevpodcast.com oh uh, any other websites benvnetwork.com uh, slash nev oh, that's a cool one yeah and on twitter at nevpodcast oh, i didn't even sweet. tell you what it's about though what do you do on this i podcast? talk about movies oh what, what kind of movies uh yeah new movies oh shit really we review new films that come out Who, it, it's myself who's on there sometimes you. you oh what sometimes uh matt esposito oh cool guy um and sometimes thomas willett nice nice man and usually jordan scott thomas willett was shitting on birdman on facebook the other day really yeah he kind of loves american sniper (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to get into it now you know what Uh, does tom listen to this show yes we're doing tom news (laughs) it it, it was not on the new benson's boombox but guess what (laughs) tom news is peeking its way into benson's boombox so there was an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia that was a kind of Birdman inspired, where it was all it was one take. Oh right, I remember. His and he post said that Charlie this. Day was like way better than Michael Keaton. And you suggested to me that he just was confused about who Michael Keaton is, not that he actively dislikes him. And I was feeling some dislike vibes from this. Well, post. at this point now, he definitely care, knows who Michael Keaton is. <laughs> yeah. At and this point, right as now. a big as a Michael Keaton fan, I was a little hurt and offended. That I'm gonna have to watch this. It's always sunny. I'm way I mean, behind. It's, it's really good. Oh, I'm certain it's good. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with that half of the sentence. I don't think it's better than Birdman. I just don't think. I don't think he needs to take down Birdman to prop up. It's always sunny. Yeah. Anyway, this has been Tom News. Uh, so nerds, I view a the. As you're listening right now, we just reviewed American Sniper, and we're going to review Jupiter Ascending. Mm, that looks terrible. Yeah, we're in a weird sandwich <laughs> right now. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that's about. That's about it. That's, uh, that's all my podcasts. What, what, what if I want to follow you on Twitter, person? Oh, I'm at Podcaster Andrew. Oh, cool stuff. There you go. 
you go to bendunetwork.com, check out all the other shows I do on there. They are Benson's Boombox, Popsicles, Matt and Brendo's Wrestling Show, and Ben View on Spielberg. Uh, I'll uh, check out uh, Comet Energy Night. I'll be I'll be appearing on them in in, in the next uh, couple weeks or so. Cool. Uh, so look at look look at all those and listen to them. Look at them so that you can download them. Yeah, and, and then and listen, then to, listen them. to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Dr. Matt Benson. That's D R Matt Benson. You can follow this show on Twitter. It is at Shut Up Len Pod. You can write us an email. Uh, Shut Up Leonard Podcast at Gmail dot com. Uh, and you should do things to us that we like on iTunes, like rate us, review us, and subscribe to us. Yeah, uh, you, you you want a little shout out on the show? You just you can do one of those things. We'll be like, hey, this person is cool, and, and it'll be fun for everyone. Uh, by the way, can we can we <laughs> we should have talked about this before, but can can we take a week off and then we'll come back? Okay. Okay. You sick of me? Shut up, Leonard. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BendUNetwork.com.